1: seen such splendor
2: no I dare say I have not I did not think Netherfield could be made more beautiful but Mr. Bingley and his sisters have proven otherwise
1: and who are you searching for so diligently
2: I had hoped to see if Mr. Wickham has arrived yet you have taken quite an interest in that young man Oh, Jane knowing what Miss Darcy did to him
1: the unkindness at her hands that he has endured I cannot believe Miss Darcy capable of such cruelty (laughs) you are so determined to think only the best of people laugh as much as you choose but you will not laugh me out of my opinion do but consider in what a disgraceful light it places Miss Darcy to be treating her father's favourite in such a manner one whom her father had promised to provide for No, it's impossible. No woman of common humanity, no woman who had any value for her character could be capable of it. Can her most intimate friends be so excessively deceived in her?
2: I can much more easily believe Mr. Bingley's being imposed on than that Mr. Wickham should invent such a history of himself as he gave me. Names, facts, everything mentioned without ceremony... If it be not so, let Miss Darcy contradict it. Besides, there is truth in Mr. Wickham's looks.
1: It is difficult indeed. It is distressing. One does not know exactly what to think.
2: I beg your pardon. One knows exactly what to think.
3: Miss Elizabeth?
2: Hello, Mr. Collins.
3: I take this opportunity of soliciting you, Miss Elizabeth, for a dance.
2: Oh, I... Mr. Collins, I am surprised. I did not realise you would dance tonight.
3: I am by no means of the opinion, I assure you, that a ball of this kind given by a young man of character to respectable people can have an evil tendency, and I am so far from objecting to dancing myself that I shall hope to be honoured with your hand in the next.
1: I see. Go on, Lizzie. I shall keep watch for your friend for you. Jane!
3: Splendid, Miss Elizabeth.
1: <laughs> hmm.
4: <laughs> poor miss elizabeth bennett caroline do you see an unfortunate choice in partner to be sure he has trod on her foot twice already and if he noticed he gave no indication
2: he is far too occupied with turning the wrong way to notice such a thing
4: <laughs> may
0: i ask what you find so
4: amusing Do you see? Miss Elizabeth trapped in a dance with that odd relation of hers, Mr. Collins. A young lady of her prospects can expect little else. I expect that meddling mother of hers has pushed him on her.
2: More likely, her
4: on him. I wonder when we shall hear the happy news. News, surely. But whether it will be happy remains to be seen.
0: (laughs) Miss Darcy, not one laugh from you? I would laugh at something word humorous.
3: An invigorating dance, I must say, and such excellent musicians. I have had but few occasions in my life to hear their equal. Do you agree, Miss Elizabeth? Yes. Miss Elizabeth, I wonder if you mind. Might... Excuse me,
2: Mr. Collins. I have just spotted my dear friend Charlotte Lucas, and I would like to speak with her.
3: Oh, yes, of course.
2: Quite all right. It is a small wonder that I am not limping. I have been victim to a stampede of one this last dance. We must find you a more suitable partner for the next. It is of no use, as one cannot dance without feet, and I fear mine were left in the ballroom. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Elizabeth. Miss Darcy. May I have the next dance? I am. Yes? Charlotte? Yes? Yes? Were you witness to what just occurred? I was. And did I accept a dance with Miss Darcy? I am afraid so. Heavens! Is my presence of mind so far gone? I dare say you will find her very agreeable. That would be the greatest misfortune of all. To find a woman agreeable whom one is determined to hate. Do not wish me such an evil.
5: Go! Do not keep your partner waiting.
2: (sighs) (laughs) I am accustomed to this dance at a faster pace. Yes. I may prefer it this way. It is your turn to say something now, Miss Darcy. I talked about the dance, and you ought to make some sort of remark on the size of the room, or the number of couples. Whatever you wish me to say shall be said. Very well. That reply will do for the present. Perhaps, by and by, I may observe that private balls are much pleasanter than public ones. But now, we may be silent... Do you talk by rule, then, while you are dancing? Sometimes. One must speak a little, you know. It would look odd to be entirely silent for a whole dance together. Does your family often walk into Meryton? We do. When you met us there the other day, we had just been forming a new acquaintance. Mr. Wickham is blessed with such happy manners as may ensure his making friends. Whether he may be equally capable of retaining them is less certain. He has been so unlucky as to lose your friendship, and in such a manner which he is likely to suffer from all his life. I am sure he has told you many things about it I remember hearing you once say, Miss Darcy, that you hardly ever forgave, that your resentment once created was unappeasable. It is true. And you never allow yourself to be blinded by prejudice. I hope not. It is particularly incumbent on those who never change their opinion to be secure of judging properly at first. May I ask to what these questions tend? Merely to the illustration of your character. I hear such different accounts of you as puzzle me exceedingly. I could wish, Miss Bennet, that you were not to sketch my character at the present moment. But if I do not take your likeness now, I may never have another opportunity. I would by no means suspend any pleasure of yours. I would only caution you against a friendship with Mr. Wickham. And I should hold friendship with you instead? Mr. Wickham... Mr. Wickham is... A man who has done well for himself, despite the barriers put into place by you. The things taken from him by you.
3: Miss How wonderfully these sorts of things occur. I happen to overhear you mentioning the names of your cousin, Miss de Bourgh, and her mother, Lady Catherine, who would have thought of my meeting with perhaps a niece of my esteemed patroness in this assembly. I am most thankful that the discovery is made in time for me to pay my respects to you. Mr. Collins! I shall entreat your pardon for not having done it earlier. It will be in my power to assure you that her ladyship was quite well when last I have seen her.
0: Mr. Collins, Miss Elizabeth...
6: Thank you, Mary. A lovely tune indeed.
5: If there are no objections, I shall play another. Another? I have brought with me my book of songs. I assure you, I have more than enough to entertain for the duration of the evening.
6: That will do extremely well, child. You have delighted us long enough. Let the others have time to exhibit.
1: Ba ba ba!
3: And she never did tell them she sent the verses.
6: It was
4: only found out when they caught her leaving them in their garden.
3: And that same young lady had written verses to three others, leaving them in gardens all over the neighborhood.
4: (laughs) It is clear that he is most taken with my Jane, and... As well, he ought to be, too, for they are the sweetest and prettiest partner anyone could hope for. It will be a most advantageous marriage, and Jane will want for nothing at all. Only imagine my Jane in such a house as this. (laughs) Oh, We expect an engagement very soon. I beg your pardon,
2: Darcy. I've been so occupied with my present company, I seem to have forgotten there is the rest of the Assembly.
1: Are you enjoying yourself, Miss Darcy?
2: Thank you. It is a splendid occasion indeed. Yes.
1: Excuse me. I wonder if Miss Darcy is quite well. If you wish to follow after her. Uh, No, no, i had better not.
2: I know her well enough now to know that she is best tended to in solitude. Look, there is Jane and Mr. Bingley. I do not think they have left each other's sides all evening. At least one of my siblings might leave this party able to face the rest of the neighborhood. The rest of the family seems determined to expose us all as the most ridiculous in the county. Lizzie! Lord, I am so tired. Lydia,
5: let us find her somewhere to sit.
2: This is the most wonderful ball I have. Ever seen.
4: Well, uh, allowing for the necessary preparations of settlements, new carriages, uh, wedding clothes, we should undoubtedly see Jane settled at Netherfield in the course of three or four months. I beg you, my dear, to leave
6: such preparations to the side until the young man has asked Jane for their hand.
4: He has all but done it. But not, in fact, done it. (laughs) Mr. Bennet, you will be happy I have thought so far ahead when the day does come. We will be quite prepared.
3: Oh, I am very glad to find you all here. May I hope, Mr. and Mrs. Bennet, for your interest with your third daughter, Elizabeth, when I solicit for the honor of a private audience with her in the course of this morning?
4: Oh, dear. Yes, certainly. I am sure Lizzie will be very happy. I am sure she can have no objection. Come, Kitty. I want you upstairs. But, Mama... Immediately, Kitty. I beg you will not go.
2: Mr. Collins must excuse me. He can have nothing to say to me that anybody need not hear.
4: Lydia, wake up, for heaven's sake. Mama, I am going away myself. No, no, nonsense. Lizzie, I desire you to stay right where you are. But, Mama... Lizzie, I insist upon your staying and hearing Mr. Collins. Perhaps we ought Mr. To. Bennett.
3: You can hardly doubt the purport of my discourse, however, your natural delicacy may lead you to dissemble. My attentions have been too marked to be mistaken. Almost as soon as I entered the house I singled you out as the companion of my future life. But before I am run away with by my feelings on this subject, perhaps it would be advisable for me to state my reasons for marrying, and moreover for coming into Hertfordshire with the design of selecting a wife, as I certainly did.
2: Mr. Collins!
3: My reasons for marrying are, first, that I think it a right thing for every clergyman in easy circumstances, like myself, to set the example of matrimony in his parish. Secondly, that I am convinced that it will add very greatly to my happiness. And thirdly, which perhaps I ought to have mentioned earlier, is that it is the particular advice and recommendation of the very noble lady whom I have the honor of calling patroness. Mr. Collins, I must insist. And now nothing remains for me but to assure you, in the most animated language, of the violence of my affections. To fortune, I am perfectly indifferent, and shall make no demand of that nature on your father.
2: You are too hasty, sir. You forget that I have made no answer. Let me do it without further loss of time. Accept my thanks for the compliment you are paying me. I am very sensible of the honor of your proposals, but it is impossible for me to do otherwise than to decline them.
3: It is usual with young ladies to reject the addresses of the man whom they secretly mean to accept when he first applies for their favor, and that sometimes the refusal is repeated a second or even a third time. I am therefore by no means discouraged by what you have just said, and shall hope to lead you to the altar ere long.
2: Upon my word, sir, your hope is a rather extraordinary one after my declaration. I am perfectly serious in my refusal. You could not make me happy, and I am convinced that I am the last woman in the world who could make you so. I wish you very happy and very rich, and by refusing your hand, do all in my power to prevent your being otherwise. This matter may be considered, therefore, as finally
4: settled. Lizzie, (laughs) whatever is the matter with you? Please, excuse me, Mama. I wish to get some air. Depend upon it, Mr. Collins, that Lizzie shall be brought to reason. I will speak to her about it directly. She is a very headstrong, foolish girl and does not know her own interests, but I will make her know it.
3: If she's really headstrong and foolish, I know not whether she would altogether be a very desirable wife to a man in my situation, who naturally looks for happiness in the marriage state.
4: Oh, Mr. Bennett, you must go and help me make Lizzie marry Mr. Collins. It seems a hopeless business,
3: for
6: she vows she will not have him. And it appears as though he will change his mind and not have her.
4: Well, speak to Lizzie about it yourself. Tell her that you insist upon her marrying him.
6: Very well. I will speak to Lizzie, then.
4: I shall accompany you. she is pacing in the mud.
6: Ugh. Lizzie, come here please. I have sent for you on an affair of importance. I understand that you have refused Mr. Collins on his offer of marriage. I have. And that you are resolute in your decision. I am. Very well. We now come to the point. Your mother insists upon you accepting him. Is it not so, Mrs. Bennet?
4: Yes, or I will never see her again. An
6: unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins, and I will never see you again if you do. Oh,
4: what do you mean, Mr. Bennett, in talking this way? You, you promised to insist upon her marrying him. I promised I would speak with her. I made no promises about what I would say. Thank you, Papa. Lizzie? Lizzie! You will change your mind right this moment. Think of your family and what marrying Mr. Collins would mean for us. How can you forget about us all when we could be turned out at any moment?
6: (laughs)
2: Jane,
1: whatever is the matter... Caroline Bingley has written, she decidedly says that none of the party will return into Hertfordshire this winter, that they have departed already. What?
2: Miss Darcy is impatient to see her sibling, and, to confess the truth, we are scarcely less eager to meet them again. I really do not think Georgiana Darcy has their equal for beauty, elegance, and accomplishments and the affection they inspire in Louisa and myself is heightened into something still more interesting, from the hope we dare entertain of being hereafter our sibling.
1: It is clear enough, is it not? Can there be any other opinion on the subject? Yes, there can. For mine is totally different. Will you hear it? Most willingly.
2: Miss Bingley sees that her brother is in love with you, She follows him to town in hope of keeping him there, and tries to persuade you that he does not care about you. Lizzie... No one who has ever seen you together can doubt his affection. Miss Bingley, I am sure, cannot.
1: Can I be happy, even supposing the best, in accepting a man whose sisters and friends are all... wishing him to marry elsewhere? You must decide
2: for yourself. I am sorry to ever see you hurt,
1: Jane... Had I been more guarded with my heart, I would not be.
4: Lizzie, Charlotte Lucas has come to see you.
1: Go, go. I think I should like to be alone for a little while. How
2: good to see you, Charlotte. A welcome visit after poor Jane has had troubling news. I do not wish to speak on it at the moment, but it is very good that you are here now.
5: I have come with news that I think will be much happier than whatever it is Jane has heard. Oh? Well, pray tell. Mr. Collins has proposed.
2: And I have accepted. We are engaged. Engaged to Mr. Collins? I, my dear Charlotte, I-
5: impossible. Why should you be surprised, my dear? Do you think it incredible that Mr. Collins should be able to procure any woman's good opinion? Because he was not so happy as to succeed with you? But uh, Charlotte, he... he- is a good man, Lizzie. You know it to be true. You must always have felt that my opinion of matrimony was not exactly like yours. I am not romantic, you know. I never was. I ask only a comfortable home. And considering Mr. Collins' character, connection and situation in life, I am convinced that my chance of happiness with him is as fair as most people can boast on entering the marriage state. Undoubtedly. Therefore, be happy for me, Lizzie, for I am very happy for myself. Of
2: course, of course I am happy for you.
5: When we are settled, I do hope you will come and stay. The moment you send for me, I will.
2: I wish you both the very best joy. As I wish for you, my Lizzie. Shall we tell my family of your good fortune? Would your mother's nerves be able to bear it? On second thought, perhaps not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pride and Prejudice, based on the novel by Jane Austen, was created by Cassie Josephs and Caroline Minx, and was adapted and directed by Caroline Minx and Evan Tess Murray. Original music was composed by Trace Callahan, with sound design by Brad Colbrook and Tal Manier. This episode featured the voices of Lizette Alvarez as Mary, Jordan Cobb as Elizabeth, Alexander Endymion Hernandez-Diaz as Mr. Collins, Danielle Ellett as Louisa, Leslie Gideon as Charlotte, Sawyer Green as Bingley, Eleanor Gray as Jane, Ishani Kanetkar as Caroline, Caroline Minx as Darcy, Evan Tess Murray as Mr. Bennett, Khalila Roney as Lydia, Sarah Ray Werner as Mrs. Bennett, and Chijoki B. Williams as Kitty. This episode was sponsored by Paul Sumner. Follow us on Twitter at Queer Pride Pod. Our website is currently visiting the Lake District, but we'll return to Longbourn very soon.